0: The first day of the rest of your life. My name is Andy Zaremba, and with me behind the helm today is Mike. Hello, everybody. I was
1: just smirking to myself with my hand signals. Like, <laughs> I imagine they just looked really weird and awkward there.
0: Well, oh, you weren't singing. on camera, so it's okay. It's true, but it's you true. did start the video or the recording a little bit prematurely, so some of my intro got cut off. But that's okay. It happens. You know, this is a podcast.
1: You mean and, it turns out? Oh well. well. and we'll, if it's
0: imperfect, that's okay because. The audience isn't here for necessarily perfection. They're here for the conversation and long-form content, which the I humanity. think is, a, is an interesting. It's a really interesting way to deliver content these days, and it's actually been been spoken about lately by Jordan Peterson, he was talking about how people have this fixation with long-term content. And you know, typically in in the media or on social media, you know, it's, they had this idea that oh, only people people can only really uh, digest small pieces of information at a time. Like the news, will have like a you know a 12 second sound bite, or you might get like three minutes of speaking on the news, or like a social media clip might be 30 seconds. But what they're finding is that when you have really interesting content that's really gripping and engaging, people will watch. Hours and hours. So it's really not an attention span issue. It's more of like the content that's been being put out there by mm-hmm. other you know, media modalities. Sure. Well, especially
1: listening. We can listen to a podcast in the long format that we kind of do and a lot of other shows do while you're doing anything while you're driving while you're washing the dishes while you're vacuuming you, you can just multitask away and like have a little university right or driving head. commuting it's whatever cool
0: like it's, it turns that dead time into actually functional and time where you can potentially learn something right yeah growth time right yeah so as usual we're recording out of you Float want, House. Well, I thought you were going to do it. Well, so. I don't know. You started to do it. so I know. I was just queuing you. Okay.
1: Well, uh, yeah, we record this podcast every week here at Float House at 70 West Cordova Street in Vancouver, B.C. FloatHouse.ca is the website and is our primary sponsor here at Vancouver Real. Um, it's really what makes this all happen. And um, if you're curious about what flotation therapy is, which is what we specialize here at Float House, um, you can check out the video, What is Floating, on YouTube. Uh, it gives you a quick six-minute kind of overview of what this environment uh, is and how it works, and then also the benefits that you can get by exposing yourself to it. So definitely check out What is Floating on YouTube, and if you want to give it a shot, you can use the promo code Vancouver Real, Um on our website for a 20% discount on a single float and come and check it out in uh, in gas down here in Vancouver.
0: And also we have a variety of community things that we like to undertake. And, uh, well, one is the podcast, Of course, Float House. And we also have Mindful Mass Meditation Group, or you can go to mindfulmass.org. We don't have any events scheduled as of yet, but we'll most likely do one again on the fall equinox. So if you'd like to link up with Mindful Mass, visit mindfulmass.org or join the Facebook group page, Mindful Mass Vancouver Meditation Flash Mob or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, I've recently taken over uh, the city director role for Mantox. And uh, we'll have a couple events scheduled for this fall as well. If you'd like to learn more about those, about Mantox is, you can go to Mantox.com or go to the Mantox community group page as well. Or if you want to connect with me directly, you can go to AndyZaremba.com. Cool. And uh, I think that's all we have for today in terms of uh, things we want to plug and get out there. So we have another Roger Killen introduction. And Roger's been so great to, to provide me with... So many great speakers over the years, and today I'm joined by Renee Jacobs. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So, Renee, you um, are a, a speaking coach and educator, right? And you teach inspired speaking, and your website is publicspeakinginspirationintoaction.com. Yes. Which will be linked for sure in this episode, so don't worry about remembering that because you can just click it and find out everything about Renee, but... Um, you uh, were a speaking coach for TEDx Stanley Park, correct? Correct. Right. And two seasons. Two seasons. Yes. And one thing that, uh, well, Roger, you know, he is curating TEDx Stanley Park and is now moving on to Get Inspired Vancouver. Yes. One thing he's always been noted for is putting together really, really immaculate events. And epic re- events. Epic. Actually, I believe the term he uses is legendary. Legendary. That's the term. <laughs> yes. Yes. But the nice one of the reasons why they are so legendary is because of the amount of time that's put into not only like making sure the event runs smoothly and flawlessly, but also uh, getting the speakers really up to par. And each speaker gets coached, and you were again one of those coaches. Yes. Right. So, so um, and that is also in line with your business. Oh yeah. So, I guess where we could start off today is if somebody were interested into getting into public speaking and have never really had any training and doesn't really know where to start, what would you you recommend to that person?
2: We do speaking all the time. You know that for business. Sure, right.
1: Whether it's like public or not, you're saying?
2: Yes. Well, public speaking is speaking to another person. It can be in the elevator. It can be an investment pitch when you go to the bank. So you're public speaking all the time. Right. And the real question is... How do you get better at it, mm. more effective? So when you plan a meeting, you walk in with confidence. You know you'll be engaging mm. and build collaborative alliances. Excellent. How do you begin? Toastmasters is a great place. You said you have both got experience with mm-hmm. Toastmasters. Both done it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And just that repetition of getting up there is just so important, and getting the feedback, and but more so just the practice, this repetition, repetition, just to you know, start to work with that craft, really, mm-hmm. you know. I and find...
2: say yes when you get opportunities at work. Mm-hmm. Right. right. You've yeah. got board meetings. You've mm-hmm. got presentations. Go so out, practice to Rotary. as much as possible, sure. for sure. Networking events. Right. Oh, my goodness. Right. They're a right. fabulous place to get practice, practice. Good just point. speaking
0: as much as possible in general, right? Yes. And one of the barriers to entry in terms of public speaking is definitely just Overcoming the anxiety of being in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. I think that seems to be something that, you know, they say the two greatest fears of a human being is death and public speaking. Yes. Right? And those are the two most common fears. And I'm not sure which order those go in exactly. But when somebody is just starting off and they are really nervous, how do you recommend somebody work past those nerves? Or how, how can they deal with that and, and learn how to speak effectively when they're just, you know, Just shaking in their boots before they go on stage.
2: So I'll make you a little bit crazy. You know Lucas Mateo, Level Up Living. He's here in town as well. And he works with people on building confidence Mm. to get on stage.
1: Okay, cool.
2: I'm of a different opinion. I'm of the opinion. Most of the people I work with, once they know what to say... Once they're confident that their message is going to land squarely and they'll get laughs and people will like them and they've got a story, if they're really motivated by their message, the fear just seems to melt away.
0: Right. So when they're really prepared to speak, then typically the nerves aren't there so much.
2: Yeah. If you understand the craft for how to put your story together, so it's rehearsed spontaneity, it really isn't like table topics. Mm-hmm. It's spontaneous off right. the cuff speaking it's really things you've kind of prepared for there's a science and a way to do that and i think that calms the nerves more than anything else mm. right and then you can teach mechanics we can learn mechanics eye contact body language we can learn that pretty stage quickly. presence
1: movement yeah but right. the
2: message if you're excited about your message and you know it's you've got something the audience can use to me that so it's really more nerves. about
0: the content that you're delivering I as opposed so. to the actual speaking skills so much.
2: What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think you have to have valuable content, for sure. If you don't have the content and you're not delivering value or something useful for people to listen to, then, then why are you even up there, right? Yeah. So
2: Were you one of those people that was nervous when you started?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, at first I was, for sure.
2: And... Did it feel like once what, – what Toastmasters does is they give you a framework for thinking. So each speech, you know what you're – you have a self-assessment form even before you begin crafting. Yeah. And that alone gives people confidence. They know what they're going to talk about.
0: That definitely helped. But for me, it was more just being able to get in front of an audience. That was the bigger challenge. Mm. It wasn't so much – I mean, we definitely had enough content to speak about, or at least I did at that time with okay. – you know various business ventures and our background and that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, it was more just getting up in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. That was was a big barrier for me. And what I found worked was just repeated exposure, just going up over and over and over and over. And the more frequently I did it, the more that just sort of faded off to the point where then you could – I could fully become myself on stage as opposed to being self, super self-conscious about the audience is thinking. And the one yes. thing that I've learned is like I've, I have basically have decided to stop trying to please everybody in the audience, which is pretty much impossible. It so is. So you're going to have some people that think you're great, some people like your message, some people disagree with it, some people think you're terrible, and just being okay with that and just delivering it, your message, whatever it happens to be, whatever you're trying to say and not trying to... Um, please everyone and thinking that everyone's going to think you're an amazing speaker when they see you.
2: Yeah. And I have a friend who says there might be 40% of the people that are your tribe. They're in your camp. They mm-hmm. smile. They're happy to see you. There might be 20% of people that are kind of on the fence and there are some people you're just not going to win them over.
3: Right. Yeah. And so
2: as a speaker being focused on the people that are energized mm. to keep you energized, paying attention to the good stuff.
0: So focusing on the people that are really responding to your talk. Yeah. So like more eye contact with them, potentially Feel asking the energy, them questions. Take it in. So like connect with those people to fuel you along the way. Yes. As opposed to looking at the, the faces in the back. They're like, I don't know about this person. And they're just yeah. sort of scowling or looking at their phone or whatever they're doing or, you know, not giving you positive feedback exactly. or confused looks. Because that could probably throw you off if you're on stage, Sure. Right?
2: So choose the things that boost you up. You've got a great message. You know some people are there to hear it they're your tribe and there are some people it's rare for somebody to want you to fail they right. came because they're curious and interested in what you've got to say so
0: yeah right so yeah usually usually in public speaking situations the audience is is more or less rooting for the speaker like they want yeah. them to do well yeah. so I, I find that in my experience that they've been pretty friendly generally um, I've been to some different things where it's like oh the audience was pretty cold but um, for the most part it's not that way. Um, so there's a big difference between, say, delivering like a business presentation or a plan or a proposal or something like that to it's, it's getting across just the technical aspects of whatever that thing is to really inspiring somebody and motivating them to action. So how do you go from, say, a presentation and delivering information to making it a very impactful and inspiring speech?
2: so i'll tell, I'll tell about my husband if that's okay. Sure. OK. My husband had a presentation where he was a keynote speaker, and he's a credible expert in his field, And he didn't do much preparation. He talked for about an hour, and he came home saying, "People weren't that engaged. I was the first speaker, and they were kind of not that interested in falling asleep. And I chat with them. There are some things you can do to make your speech interesting. So it, it is speaking to inform, it's in the field of mining, but you can make it engaging and fascinating. So the next time that he had a keynote presentation, we got together and we opened with story that had a bit of a cliffhanger
3: hmm.
2: and we chose characters that were like the characters in the audience, people that he knew They've got conflicts with certain kinds of people. You put them together in mining. They're the environmental folks, and they're the mining folks. And sometimes they kind of go head-to-head. So he set up a situation where characters that people in the audience know are in some conflict, and he's right in the middle of it. And then he steps out of it and does speaking to inform, shows some slides, gives pertinent information, but then he comes back to a different story and pulls in characters. So in his hour, he stepped in and out of story and gave information in between. Right. And he hooked the audience. People came up and said, that was, I'd never seen anything like it. That's cool. the best it ever, and they, and they lined up to talk to him right. because really it's about growing know, like, and trust. Hmm. If you want to inspire change, if you want to influence people, having them know you, like you, trust you, be engaged in your message, that's where it all begins.
0: Interesting. Thank so you. weaving in the, person, the stories yes. along with the information. So that's really important.
2: A mind puzzle at the beginning. So people are wondering what's going to happen. What's an example
0: of a mind puzzle?
2: So going back to this one, he says, I'd never fly Air Canada. Most airlines move me to first class because I fly so frequently, but not Air Canada. But even Air Canada couldn't have set up this situation. Not only am I in coach, but I'm in a middle seat. Mm -hmm. And I'm seated between like a guy that deals with iPhones and mining and a redheaded environmentalist with a bandana on. Mm -hmm. And they get into a war about mining being so bad for the environment And the guy with iPhones says, you won't have iPhones if you don't have gold. You won't have toothpaste if you don't have mined materials. And the environmentalist is, you know, so it's a back and forth, and my husband's sitting right in the center, and he's a content expert. (laughs) And everyone in the audience who's come to a mining conference has environmental folks, and they have mining folks, and they're wondering what's going to happen. When is the content expert going to jump in and throw an opinion? But he just leaves it. See, so that's kind of a mind puzzle because the audience is trying to figure out what's going to happen next.
0: Hmm. Cool. So okay. it's Hanging. like a plot
1: almost. There's a so. plot
2: to it. And in the after party, people came up and they just kept saying, I know who Hippie the Red is. Is he? And they would drop a name. And my husband mm-hmm. would say, no, I just put together a group of characters I knew and created a character for right. a story.
1: Right. Interesting.
2: Yeah, hmm. and someone would come up and say, "Oh, I know that engineer guy," <laughs> and was that Fred so and so? And my husband say, "No, I just took people of of a kind, created a character inside a story."
0: Right. So people. that would be an <laughs> example of a mind puzzle. Though.
2: So that's yeah, that's a mind puzzle.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
2: Another mind puzzle. If you watch Amy Cuddy TED Talk, okay, okay? she she tells people. Notice how you're seated right now. Just take inventory. Are you someone who takes up a lot of space? Are you sitting? You know? So right there, you're engaged in thinking Mm. about, okay? And then she moves into her topic and comes back. She says, pay attention to how you are now, but I'll teach you a life hack that'll change your life. But just for the moment, pay attention to your body right now as it is. That's a kind of mind puzzle. It gets everyone thinking and feeling and being engaged.
0: Right. Interesting. That's a, that's a super powerful tactic then. Eh? So weave that in throughout the course of the talk to make sure people stay engaged the entire time.
2: You need something that's a hook that gets people interested.
0: Right. Mm. So now you did touch on this element of storytelling really quickly. Mm. Can you break down like a loose structure of like what a typical story would be like that would actually be engaging? What are the components of that story?
2: Components of a story to be engaging. Yeah. So we all know fairy tales.
0: Sure.
1: Mythology.
2: And they start with?
1: Once upon a time.
2: Once upon a time. Right. And that's the first thing that you need is when did it happen? So Hmm. in what I call a modern folktale, which is a business story, I'll say a few weeks passed or coming here today, I stopped at a coffee shop and I was speaking with an investment banker, but I need to say... Something about the time. So once upon a time,
3: mm-hmm.
2: as you referenced, remember, say when it happened, where it happened, in, in fairy tales, there was a deep, dark forest. Right. You know, same thing in, in the float house. Hey, we're in downtown Vancouver. What's my address?
1: 70 so West Vancouver. Cordova.
2: Thank you. <laughs> so there I was, my very first podcast ever <laughs> on West Cordova Street. With yeah. Mike and Andy. Now I've got characters and a setting. And it can just be short and sweet. you got to give the audience a place and some characters. Cool. Yeah. And then a little bit of conflict and what happened. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm. So if we were to play out the conflict role, what would be the conflict here in this scenario?
2: Okay. You're in business. Mm-hmm. And you provide a service, which is... I want to sensory deprivation that doesn't sound right well
0: yeah it's one term for it for okay. sure it's commonly known give me as a
2: beautiful term that sounds a little scary you've got oh, some yeah. words that are floating, nice words
0: flotation <laughs> therapy
2: flotation therapy there you go okay so in comes a client and and there's there's so you can look at body language you can look at Internal dialogue, you can look at facial expressions, walks in, fists kind of clenched, looking just really tense mm-hmm. and and scared to death to be in a place like this. Her friend said, You've been to spas before, but you've never tried flotation therapy. That's right. I know. You're, you're <laughs> getting divorced, you're having trouble at work, That's you've right. got these issues, I've got the place for you. And the client walks in. Smells this kind of Epsom salt. It smells like a spa in here. It's
1: Epsom salt. And
2: yeah. you've got kind of a background themes and visual. I mean, it's very relaxing just to walk in. But you can imagine if someone's never done anything like this before, mm. there's some tension from their day they're carrying. Sure. And then there's the little bit of fear of what this place might be like. So that So you Fear of the unknown. In. And then dialogue. Walks up nervously, says, mm, I need to know a little bit about this place. My friend referred me right how much does it cost because that's all they know how to ask
0: right right so now if you could leave that conflict as it is right and that could be the hanger so instead of like resolving it right then and there you leave potentially leave that conflict and then that'll keep them sort of gripped and engaged as opposed to resolving it for them at the moment correct
2: What do you do when someone comes in and and says, how much does it cost? Do you just give them a price or do you say, let me tell you a little bit about some of the options that we have. Tell me what you need. It opens that conversation, right? Why are you here? Yeah. What are you looking
1: for? Why are
0: you here? How did you hear about us? Those type of questions. Yes. And so in the business story,
2: that's where you would go oh, my gosh, he looks so nervous. Her hair was frazzled. I said, who do you know? And she named a friend who'd made the referral. Oh, yeah, that's someone I know. And I'm thinking, my gosh, he looks nervous. She needs help right now. So there's some inner dialogue as you get ready to help. And, and then you demonstrate in story what it's like to come here. Right, right. I invited her in. I said, would you like a glass of water? Take a seat. Would you like a tour of the facility?
0: awesome and then you step
2: out crack a joke and then in story and if this is a business story let's say you're at a are you a networking event or a rotary club and you've taken five minutes to be the food sponsor or something so you get to talk Hmm. you open with story and then you step out and you do like you did in your opening we've got this place and these are some of the services that we have we're easy to find but let me tell you what happened with her
0: Right. So just to cool. recap like the components that. of the story, we have the time, location, characters, conflict, yeah. and then anything so else? So the
2: four W's, when it happened, yeah. where it happened, who, those are your characters, and then what happened. Some kind of conflict with a resolution. And I call it a modern folk tale because it should have a message. And if this is a business story, the message is there's this amazing therapeutic place that brought relief to someone who was suffering.
0: Right. So So excellent.
2: the the story is always about how this person mm-hmm. came to a fortunate resolution and it was just a blessing that you got to be there to help.
0: So that basic format can be applied to any story. Pretty much. Now, are there any sort of modifications that you would roll in? Like that seems to be like the fairly basic level of the story. That's but the basic are there, story. Are there like mm-hmm. twists and turns you can add to add more dynamics to the storytelling aspect?
2: Always. Nice.
0: Additional conflicts. Yeah.
1: Additional right. conflicts. Yeah. And then I ratchet mean, up the tension, right? Ten- Creating a ra- little bit of tension. Yes, and
2: that's little. It's harder, but. Right. Well, yeah. it gets
1: more technical. Like, we had a, a gentleman on the podcast a couple of times a long time ago named uh, TJ Daw, and we've done different projects with him as well within Floathouse House and Vancouver Real. And um, he's, I'm trying to think, there's a, a, a theatrical term and a storytelling term that uh, he often used and was very, very good at. Um, I can't remember, but basically, it's like you start one story element and then you all of a sudden.
2: A progressive complication.
1: I guess so, but you stop and you go to a completely different story, and then you come back to the next story. But then you go to another story, and then but but they all are going to have this overlapping connection at the end. Um, I forget there's a special term for it that I can't remember, but uh, he's like an expert at doing this, and he does yeah. these one-man uh, theatrical performances. And, uh, so something like that would be would like be another amazing. level of technical so like, no, layering very...
0: the stories, right? And, and like, they seem so all. randomly
1: really unrelated, but then you bring them all together at the end, you know? So it's but kind he's of crafting taking... and yeah, he's planning.
2: Totally. That's technically difficult. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And easier way to do it is to sit back and say, okay, I've got my basic story. Right. Now, is there anything here that I can make funny? Mm. And that's work.
1: And that's yeah. You have well, to stop being and being funny think, is not easy.
2: Is there anything about this that's funny? Right. Uh, and then and then and then you just have to think about it for a while. Maybe her phone rang, and she had a conversation on the side. Mm-hmm. That's one way to to do funny. You have to just. So Dustin Hoffman, I think, has a scene where uh, a real life story where he's with an uh, a woman that he's breaking up with, and they're sitting together in a bar. And she's just uh, hysterical, crying tears. She's just, she's just beside herself distraught. And the bartender walks up and says, what would you like? And she turns and cu- cools a cucumber, orders her drink. I'd like a martini with da 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 And then turns back. It just goes right into hysterics again. Mm. That can be funny. Right. And real, in real life, people have kind of dual personalities and things going on. So if she's like super stressed... But then she takes the phone call and she's talking to the babysitter and she's, you know, that might be one way. And you just think about what else have I got that I could use? And that's where the crafting comes in. What can you do to make it funny? And then the next one is what can you do to give it a twist or an unexpected ending
3: Hmm. or a
2: complication you hadn't thought of? Oh, I'd love to float, except I've got this broken hip and they put lead in. I have no idea. Right. You guys know it. Now you're I'm going to so. Adding a <laughs>
0: twist or a complication. Something,
2: something again. Something, so to the throw them off. So they think they, they think
0: they're on the track. They're understanding, and then here's the twist, and then it keeps them re-engaged. Who's like, oh, I didn't even consider that. Yeah. Right?
2: So that's how you make your stories more interesting and dialogue.
0: Amazing. All right, so. We've, we've kind of broken down the format of the storytelling aspect of so speaking. Mm-hmm.
2: And One then idea. you weave
0: in mm-hmm. the information. The
2: we talked about sort of... how to take a really dry, boring speech and weave some things in to keep it interesting from right. beginning to end.
0: I wonder if you could touch on really – I want to jump back to the idea of humor because that's something that can be very difficult. I was listening to Joe Rogan today. He's a stand-up comedian, and he was reminiscing about his very first time ever going on stage and just how much more difficult it is to get people to laugh as opposed to just speaking and how much of a difference that is. What, what really, really makes hard. something funny to somebody? Like what, what's the thing that would trigger people to actually laugh? You know, There's got to be some formula for that that, uh, that gets people laughing. Do you have any insight into that?
2: David Nihill wrote a book, Do You Talk Funny?, Yeah. One of the questions you emailed me in advance of this is, do you have a favorite book? And right now I'm really liking that book. Do you talk funny? Nice. Interesting. He also has an online course for something like $60 that I bought that goes through the science of adding humor and especially in business presentations because it ramps up likability. There are so many benefits to humor And and it's not easy. There's a science to it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Do you do you have any insights into what that science is? Have you read? I guess you are reading the book.
2: So one one technique is called the rule of three. Now I am really struggling to think of something funny, <laughs> but uh, you, two things make a pattern, and the third, th- two, so people begin to predict what the third thing's going to be. Ah,
0: uh, okay.
2: Okay, and then the third thing, if you make it something they didn't expect. It can get a laugh.
0: Something didn't expect. Because sometimes like they didn't expect can like cause a, it'll definitely cause a reaction, right? But it could be different reactions. So it could be maybe frustration or anger or it could be sadness or whatever. You can use it for
2: any emotion. Right. But you can use it for laughter. So So to
0: try to get an emotional response of some type. So what would characterize an element that would be funny then? So I guess it would have Depends to on
2: the audience always. So Mae Soon right. is another comedian that did a TED Talk and and she's disabled. And she says, "I should be in the disabled Olympics or something like that." Uh, she's paraplegic. She 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 rattles off like six things. And then she says, and I'm from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then that gets the laugh because it's a little different than the pattern. And she's sitting in an audience of right. people where they care about being from New York or from New Jersey.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. You see? Right. So adding the element of surprise with an unexpected twist that could be relevant to the audience. Yes. It makes total sense. Yes. So that's an example of how you could, you could uh, weave in some humor into just a as a sidebar on that
1: then so how would you uh, or any emotion uh, talk about like so like knowing your crowd or knowing your audience like how mm-hmm. does that fit into just your general um speaking uh coaching like um work like what what do you what do you have to say about that
2: so inspirational speaking the first question is what do you want people to think believe feel or do differently After they've heard from you, Hmm. after they listen to you, what's the effect that you want? And then who is your audience? Because how you talk to a group of accountants is probably going to be a little bit different than a group of doctors or a group of young entrepreneurs. So you have to know the starting place that answer the question totally. and then and then you figure out what was well, like the in thing between. Like
1: a joke that you'd make to accountants would be very different from a joke you'd make to bodybuilders or whoever you're talking to right yeah. like you can you can play into their culture yes right. you want to tie mm-hmm. into that just coming back to the humor thing yeah but yeah so knowing your audience mm-hmm. so like you think it's very important that and like i think that's a very good question that yeah. first one about uh yeah how do you want them to be altered i guess from after hearing you speak mm-hmm. right
2: Now, yesterday, I was working with a gentleman named Mark Fenster from Autumn Studios, and he's putting together a talk for Get Inspired, Mm. and it's called The Other Side of Hatred. Mm. And he talks about how parents who have been in war or children who have been in war and lost their parents walk away from that, and even after the war is over or if they move to a Western society, perhaps, they still carry pain and anger and racism, you know, from being victims. And then they pass that on to their children. And he had three things. It was like hate, fear, and rage, let's say. But he had three things, okay? Anytime you have three things in a pattern, you want to stop and think about which is the one that has the most impact. Mm -hmm. So if it's um, pain, fear, and rage... The question for him was which one goes last. Hmm. Now in in his story he starts he starts with how the parents met but then he moves to how he came to Vancouver and how being Jewish when somebody's delivering his refrigerator and he opens the door and takes one look at them his first feeling is fear. Do they hate me? Do they want to kill me because of the way he was raised? Hmm. So knowing that that's where he's going, when we look at the opening and he's got three things in a row, we say, which one will have the most impact and which one are you going to come back to later? And that makes us take the third thing, fear, decide it's the most important, and put it at the end of the three. Okay. And then every time we repeat the pattern, every time we say those three things together, we put the third heavy one, third. I, I think I'm kind of rambling, but... Right. Anytime you see a pattern of three things, because we talk in threes all the time, okay. look at it and decide which one should be at the end. It gets the pregnant pause right, and gives time people to reflect and hold on to the emotion.
1: Right. So, I mean, this is kind of a different question, but um, I'm really curious as to how, uh, you know, the impact, the impact of social media has had on, say, entrepreneurship and how now you can... Because obviously, like you said, speaking isn't just about public speaking in front of an audience that's live. There's also speaking in front of a camera, and now social media is a huge um, medium yes. for people to do this. Uh, and and so, from your you know um, market, your your business, uh, a coach, speaking coach, are you seeing more and more kind of social media, YouTube people who have aspirations of being on the social media influencer route? coming to actually get speaking coaching, or has that even caught on yet? Have you been seeing that sort of trend within your business?
2: I haven't seen it yet, but I think it makes perfect sense. Sure. So when I do my workshop, I have an upcoming workshop, Mm -hmm. August 2nd in the evening, and then it carries over on the following Saturday morning. Where is that? So it's at Beatty Street at the YWCA. Okay. We're doing an evening 6.30 to 9.30 that has a little bit of homework what, how do you craft an introduction to give the MC so that people like you before you get to the stage? Mm. We talk a little bit about this modern folk tale idea, help people come up with business concepts. And then when they go home from the Thursday night, they'll be crafting those things to bring back to the workshop Saturday from nine until one. Then we'll talk about things like the rule of three you focused language, other editing techniques, and they'll use them to go back in and edit their stories, if it were a two minute sound bite, if it were a marketing message, apply the science of public speaking to make it more engaging and interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah and then you're... you can and then you've got rehearsed spontaneity. You practice a little bit and when you have an opportunity to use it, you pull it out.
0: Totally. So when is the workshop again?
2: In August, October two and four.
1: August second and fourth. Yes. August second and fourth. A gotcha. Thursday
2: and a Saturday. Cool. Thursday Very, night, Saturday morning. Yeah, and it'd be great for people in social media where they really sure. want an impactful three or four sentences, a one-minute story. Right. Yeah, yeah I think
0: uh, social the social media era has really inspired a whole generation of people to put their, themselves online, share their stories. You know, uh, in an attempt to be some sort of an influencer. Yeah. And you know, we've been doing this podcast for about four years now has led us to doing public speaking and different things like that. And the one thing that I thought would be really useful as well, which I'm sure some of them already are or might start pursuing more of, are is acting, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just like, again, being a really effective communicator, I think is going to be hugely important as opposed to just going on camera and speaking. And now, you know, really, if you want to really become effective and layer on like all these different elements that you've been talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. I feel like it's an extremely valuable workshop. I'm surprised that uh, more of these... Um, Social media type of people haven't been. Well, they probably it. don't know
2: about it yet. I'm right. still getting started, and the people I know I know through TEDx Stanley Park and get inspired. Mm-hmm. Roger came to me and said, "You're doing this kind of." I had retired, but then I got active working with him, and right. he said, "You really should be doing this as a business because entrepreneurs need it. There's so well, one in the community totally. can benefit." I, yes, Shh. yeah,
0: this, no. I, I'll think I want to go to one of these workshops, but uh, the truth is, I can't make it to the one in August, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't run another one, I'll definitely come to that because it sounds really interesting to me. Um, what I was going to ask a little bit about your background. So how did you accumulate this body of knowledge and, and get you to where you are today?
2: Ask me something a little bit more specific. Okay, well,
1: how, well, did, how did you get into... About my life history. Yeah, public speaking and like. Well, in terms and of and this coaching. area of
0: expertise of like being a, a speaking coach... You know, how did you start off with that, and, and what did you learn? You've learned all these different tools and techniques you can apply to speaking. Yes. You know, like, how, how have you accumulated? Like, what's your background in that?
2: All right, so um, I started out to become an optometrist. So I have a degree in biochemistry, a degree in physiologic optics, and then became a doctor and ran a practice. I've had an embroidery company. Uh, Went back to school, got a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and run a tutoring center. Now, it's amazing to me that in education, you can take a speech class. In education, you get up and do presentations. And so you would think, if you're a teacher and you're working with kids to put together presentations, or teenagers, you would think you'd have some skill sets around public speaking. Right. And how many of our teachers bore us to death?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been in school for a long time. Yeah, but it's just. But
1: true. even if
2: you remember, have you seen professors and teachers who come to Toastmasters?
1: Right. Well, I know a lot my, of personal the acad- yeah. my personal history is like the professors I had at university say, like the ones that were super passionate, obviously know their stuff inside and out, but just really. But they passionate. love it. They love it. And, they just, they, and when, when they share that and are able to share that through their lecturing, um, it just makes a huge difference. And in my performance as a student, but also just in my interest in that topic and that subject and like, you know, where if you have someone just doesn't connect that way, it it can really fall flat no matter how cool or interesting it is. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a really good point. I
0: think maybe like high school teachers and elementary school teachers might be a little bit better at that simply because... They're used to keeping children's they attention. They have to work at it. Whereas in yeah. the university, they're like doing their research and they don't, they're not too interested in lectures, but they go and do it. Mm-hmm. So they just go and read. Like, I've had some professors at university that were just like,
2: oh my God,
0: it was, it was very difficult to listen to because of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. So a couple of years ago, my husband and I took a cruise to Antarctica and they had a gentleman that came on every day to talk about the history of the region. And I thought this will be dry and boring, but he took the stories from history Hmm. and brought them to life in something that I'm now calling edutainment. Mm -hmm. You know, they at night would have an auditorium with a musician or a magic act, but the people who came and filled up the entire theater came every day to watch Mickey live.
0: Hmm. Edutainment.
2: Yeah, and I walked away from that going, that's what I want to be. I want to be somebody who does edutainment. When I get paid to come in as a speaker, I teach continuing education to eye doctors in the U.S., you know, if they need <laughs> CE, they'll come. But I right. want to be invited back because people sure. had so much fun they couldn't stop talking about it, and that's really kind of a goal that I. And then you I gotta get embroidery
1: myself. in there, and how are you <laughs> gonna become the passionate embroidery spokesperson for the nation? Like, there's a
0: void there, probably. <laughs> there
1: probably is. You know, and here you are. Well, embroiderers probably aren't the you
3: know oh, the best just...
0: communicators necessarily. They're at home and introspective, so you could you, you could te- you could dominate that. You could create a Embroidery I think there's podcast. a YouTube channel for you there for yeah. sure. There
2: you go.
0: You know. But uh
2: you haven't been in an embroidery shop. I haven't. Like 14 head machines <laughs> and it's a very industrial kind of
1: place. Ah, uh, right.
0: <laughs> well you know, they, they want to produce... Okay, so
1: I thought it was roots. more of like an arts, like a crafts, you know, yeah. embroidery. No, stuff, it's
2: but... like uh, logoed shirts and hats and oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even yeah. Business oh, apparel, there you go. Even, like, gotcha. A okay. dryer,
0: potentially. Yeah. Right.
2: So I was eye doctor, and then I had a tutoring center, and then my husband says, will you sell everything and follow me to Australia? And I did that. That's when I started doing online teaching and business coaching, Um a lot of things happening in the U.S. in medical care that aren't real exciting. Mm. And it became challenging, and I was at a place where I could retire, so I did. But at the time, wanted to improve my public speaking and was new to Vancouver. We left Australia, came here, got involved in Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. So that's where... Good
0: starting spot for anybody, really. But you would
2: think, if I'm already a doctor and I'm already a teacher, you would think that being in Toastmasters would be kind of easy for me. And like you, I went in a little bit nervous about public speaking, and I had a lot to learn.
0: Well, it's amazing. So Toastmasters, I felt like I was like a competent speaker after leaving there. I did it for about two years, and they teach you very good structure for speaking. Yes. But what you've talked about today has added a whole other element of depth, which... I wasn't even really aware of from just Toastmasters. I feel like what you're doing is uh, actually yeah, because I did is, Toastmasters, is deepening the entire thing.
2: And then Toastmasters has competitions. Yeah. So I got involved in competitions. Oh, cool. For for um, to- uh, table topics, so sp- spontaneous speaking, yep. evaluation, which I'm very strong in, humorous speaking, and the international speech contest, which is inspirational speaking.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was the first time ever. That I picked up the humor manual. That was when I first started working at being funny, is when there was a humor contest.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: So if you ask me, how did I learn? So at this point, I have the highest designation you can get in Toastmasters. I'm a distinguished Toastmaster. And I'm amazed. This is amazing to me, which proves there's a science to humor. Hmm. I'm the reigning District 96 champion for humor.
3: Hmm. Wow. Very cool.
2: Currently? uh, Yeah, and and I texted...
0: 2018 or 17?
2: Well, they've stopped having the contest, so I'll be raining for a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, There you go. Why did they stop doing the humor contest? That's
2: like a whole whole different story. But when I won, I texted my husband, because he was with family in Colorado. I won the contest, and he texted back, you're joking. (laughs) And I went, no, I really won. And I sent him a picture of me holding the trophy. And he texted back, but you're not funny wow and i said hey that's insulting and he says mom and dad say congratulations and the boys say you're not funny
0: that's hilarious well you showed them
2: so what, I, what i'm saying is there's a science you can sit down right. and plan how to mm, be funny i told you the rule of three is one sure. thing mm-hmm. yeah. dialogue and how to set up the dialogue how mm-hmm. you paint the scene yep. you can you can craft it but there's this it takes work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, this this is. No, I think this is really fascinating. It's definitely for me because speaking has been something I've been interested in, in a long time. Uh, the, the funny thing is, it's like it's one of those things. Like anything else in life, you really have to just put in the hours and do the work and practice and practice. And you have to have the, the base of knowledge and information behind you. But then yes. you've got to just practice it like crazy. And then
2: by the book, do you talk funny? And then when you see an opportunity for an online class, take that. I did the Steve Martin master class.
3: Oh, how, how are, are those master yeah. Some of them they... are
2: fantastic. I want to do really? the Malcolm Gladwell one, but the Steve Writing. Martin one was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And then Robert McKee, he, he teaches screenwriting and novels. He's, he's fascinating, well known. He had a workshop uh, in, in uh, New York that I went to in the spring. Hmm. So it's just an an ongoing thing. Kendra yeah. Hall. She I've came been thinking and
0: spoke. about that one for a while. You I should, see it on my Instagram. Oh my feed god, all you should go
2: all the time. Well
0: it's yeah, it's on the online courses. Masterclass.
2: Oh, for Masterclass, Robert McKee yeah. was live in New York. That was right. something different. But yeah, but
0: um, I think for like two hundred forty bucks, you get access to all of them.
2: Yeah, I haven't done that.
0: Yeah, and there's like there's all there's all different categories. and yeah. they, they seem I, I've been I've been intrigued because I'm like the people they have on there. I'm like whoever put that online course together S- smart. destroyed it. Like yeah. they like did an amazing job with that because oh, they got fantastic. some top notch people.
1: Well, so, yeah, right. And
2: the outlines are amazing for an online course. They're. Well so is it, is
1: it like one video lecture or is it like a series? Like it's, for the Steve Martin one, was it like how many videos? How long were they? How, how is so it kind he of structured? So usually
2: will talk for 10 minutes on a topic uh-huh. and then they'll have exercises and activities and a workbook. Okay. And then they have a um, separate room where you can get together and work with other people. So it's kind of an ongoing thing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very
0: cool. What are some other resources that you know of that could be really useful for people who are interested in boning up on their public speaking?
2: All right. So um, there are many, many books, but also Kendra Hall. She came and spoke at Toastmasters when we had the International. They had it here in Vancouver this past year. Oh, okay. The ETC? Um, this was the International Conference. Oh,
0: the International. Oh, right. The big yeah, one. They had. Yeah, had la- It was, it was last year, right?
2: Center. Yeah, it was right. here in Vancouver. Yeah. And one of the um, top speakers was Kendra Hall. And if you get on her mailing list, just look her up, sign up, subscribe. Every week or two, she'll send a a story video with tips on storytelling. Uh, And it's fantastic. It's just kind of a a constant things to practice and think about that's free. Awesome. Awesome. Craig Valentine, a world champion of public speaking, has 52 speaking tips. You go sign up for his um, to subscribe and once a week you'll get a speaking tip, something to practice and work on.
3: Right.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, wow, very useful. There's just
2: all kinds of information out there. Amazing. Awesome.
0: Well, is there anything else that you like to get out there today? Is there anything that's on your mind that's itching to get into our the listeners' ears?
2: I think get inspired is very exciting.
3: Hmm
1: yeah i was going to ask you more about that so this is a new project with you and roger killen
0: and what what is it is he not doing TEDx Delhi park anymore uh i think he's made that announcement officially so yes he's not doing it anymore okay. but he's doing a new thing so which is this get inspired, get inspired. so yeah tell us what is get inspired and
2: um, most people know ted which right. is ideas worth sharing yes And Roger tried to have a different brand of ideas into action. Okay. And he says that the gatekeeper is good information, but also inspiration to encourage people to take action to make the world a better place. Mm. And so what he's done is step away from TED and start a new organization, Get Inspired, Vancouver, which is local, to bring in people to talk about Things that can inspire others to do good things or bring about change right here in the community, but also uh, be a global influencer. Cool. So it's very similar and different. The entire sure. team from TEDx Stanley Park shifted. Wow. And this is
0: uh, his own venture, correct? Like this is this hasn't been done before. So it's like correct. a right. And he's going to do the first one in Vancouver. From what I understand, he wants to branch out to. Every major city across North America. And so October 20 is
2: the first one. Right. And he has a vision to be in 400 cities across the world by the time he's 80.
0: Wow. So how long is that? I don't want to give away his age. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... Regardless, that's... that's yeah. <laughs> thinking big. Yeah.
2: He is thinking big. Good. Well, there, him, if there's yeah. one guy
0: that can put together productions, it's definitely Roger because he's very good at doing that and very experienced. So... You know, and, and it's taking that skill set and literally just making a lateral shift to his own venue, which is very exciting, amazing, right? Yeah. And it's going to be, or, uh, the origin is going to be in Vancouver, which is fantastic.
2: Yep. Get inspired Vancouver. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So the speakers have auditioned they've been selected and now it's a process. And so maybe this would be interesting if you have people who are, who are interested in becoming a speaker, if you mm-hmm. have a, an idea worth sharing that, uh, can bring about action. Yeah. So they do the auditions and we make selections, and then he puts them into a program. They get to work with a brand specialist who looks at their website and their messaging, their social media. Hmm. They work with an image consultant that says, the, the way you look, does it match your message, and does it match your brand? We have scripting workshops where a team, a panel, listens to your presentation and gives feedback. This next Sunday we're bringing in a humorist that specializes in humor in business and he'll be looking at each of the speakers giving feedback and advice on exactly their content how to how to bring some elevation levity
0: so similar to what he did with TEDx Stanley Park and really polishing up the speakers before they go on stage. So
2: yeah, but if you're a business person and you speak at the convention center, which is a thousand people in October, that's a big audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then your video—if if you go through the training to make your video go viral, you right. grow so your celebrity. Is that kind
1: of what like the the thinking is behind having making the brand is congruent and that their website and social platforms are all up to snuff. Is that kind of the thinking is like he wants or expects people to watch these videos, learn about this person's project or idea or, you know, action and then go and find a very like credible looking uh, experience beyond even the Get Inspired event. Is kind of like make that's sure what that it leads to a good foundation for this notable action uh, or thing to go on. Is that what the thinking is behind that?
2: That's exactly the wow, thinking. So, so right here you have Claire Snaman's book. And she spoke at TEDx Stanley Park. We talked about her earlier. So she put together... She's already a writer. She's already a survivor. She's already someone doing research in the field of death by medical error. Mm. Yeah? And she knows and has put together a method for watching your health, taking your health into your own hands. If you have an illness, tracking your medical records, asking the right questions, talking to the right... She's she's got a method, right? Mm -hmm. And... She put together a message so she's got a book, she's got an amazing website, she's a credible expert, she's got a message, now she's got a video. Mm. Okay? And she starts pushing the video, so more and more people hear about her. Next thing you know, she's invited to keynote a conference or she puts in a call for proposals and they call back and say, "Not only do we want you, but we want you to be the first speaker and we want you to be the featured person in our program." So it elevated her status and her opportunity to get her message out. Cool. And that's what he wants people that they're they're so passionate about their message that they have the wherewithal to run with it
1: very interesting idea
2: yeah yeah
0: well i mean you know what it really is too it's um it it does go along nicely with the whole self-branding movement that's so common these days like Mm. everybody has a book everybody has like a website everybody has all these different things and they start speaking and then they you know, they sell the sell, selling a course or, or something like that, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a very common thing. This is sort of formulating how to do that.
2: Yeah, it's a great experience. And
0: there's a lot of, it's very, actually, it's quite complicated. It's like coming up with your own personal brand and, and identifying that and, and how you speak and what you're speaking on and then like polishing it to that level and all the skills it takes to become a speaker and writing a book and all of those things. Like to do it well, it's a big effort.
2: And it's a big effort, but to get the coaching and learn the skills, and then use them to grow your business mm, or, yeah. or the mm. endeavor—that's why it's so valuable.
0: And it can be really powerful too. And it does work if it's done well, for sure. And the
2: other thing Roger's doing different than TED is revenue sharing.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. So
2: if you're a speaker and you're getting a lot of video views, you'll make money off the ad revenues. Hmm. Right. So it, he does. So, so not only are you getting all of this coaching that builds your brand and your business which but is
0: smart because then they'll have more incentive to
1: really exactly. push the video out yeah right? so it's a
2: social enterprise yeah, yeah.
1: good for him cool yeah. fantastic yeah. so getinspired.com is that what the
2: I think so hmm.
0: just google get
1: get
2: inspired, inspired Vancouver yeah.
0: you'll find and Uh, public speaking inspiration into action dot com that's your personal site Jacob's website as well and you have the workshop coming up
2: I have the workshop and I do private coaching and I work with businesses that want to improve their story branding and message amazing
0: perfect well thanks so much that was an excellent podcast I learned a lot and thanks for giving us an hour of your time or whatever we're at yes Um, thank you yeah thank you and um, thanks for everybody joining
1: us Uh, we always appreciate it so you know if you ever want to like, share, comment, review on any of these episodes. We, you know, greatly appreciate that. It doesn't help; it helps us a lot. Um, that's about it. Check I out also, FloatHouse.ca if you want to have a float.
0: Yeah, and which also keeps the podcast going because FloatHouse fully funds Vancouver Reels. Yeah, so if absolutely. you want to support us indirectly, go float. Absolutely, keeps it going. Reap all the benefits of relaxation, stress management, meditation in a flotation tank. That's right. Cool. So you get all those benefits as well. So Andy'sRemember.com, MindfulMass.org. Mantosh.com. <laughs> Links then, below. I think that's it. All right. Until next time. To whatever is. To whatever is.